Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Have you ever been in a situation where someone has told you something absolutely ludicrous and you've just had to blindly believe in it? When I was a kid, um, I used to believe in absolutely everything. I remember being at primary school and having a very heated debate uh, with a a boy in my class over the existence of Santa, despite the fact that this boy had supposedly set up secret cameras in his bedroom on Christmas Eve and actually caught his mum filling his stocking. I still believed Santa lived. I had blind faith in someone I had no real proof actually existed. And then I remember on my ninth birthday being given a scroll of paper by my very edgy photographer Finnish auntie and she'd given me this huge poster of a picture that she told me she'd taken and she knew I was into fairies and mermaids and and mythical stuff Um, and so she gave me this huge poster of a really blurry photo of a fairy queen that she'd met in the woods of course. Um, And I remember being absolutely smitten with this scroll of paper. I put it up on my wall and I used to actually spend long periods of time staring at what I could make out um, of this fairy queen's face. In reality, it was a blurry photo of my auntie. But again, I wholeheartedly believed what she'd, been, what she'd told me. Um, I trusted my auntie, probably shouldn't have, um, but I completely believed her. And somewhere along the way, as it happens for most adults, um, that blind faith and belief um, turns into anxiety, fear, doubt and cynicism. But in the incredible story that we're going to look at this morning, we see examples of two people who had blind faith. A man, Elijah, who as an adult had complete childlike faith, belief and trust in a God who always provides. And a woman as well, a widow, desperately in need, who blindly trusted what God had commanded her to do, even in the direst of circumstances. So we're going to pick up in the story from where we left off last week. Stephen set the scene for us really well in his preach about how God responds to us when we pray so we can have faith when we pray. Uh, So we're going to read the first part. um, Sorry, we read the first part of 1 Kings chapter 17 and we saw Elijah stand up to the wicked King Ahab and how as Elijah persisted in prayer, he saw God respond. So we're going to read now from 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 7 to 16. So it says, Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord um, came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry 
until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So this story really, really powerfully demonstrates to us the character of God, that he is a provider. So if we take anything away from this passage this morning, I want it to be that God is our provider. But there are also some other really key things I think we can learn from this passage. Firstly, that we recognise the voice of God by being in a close relationship with him. Secondly, we must believe the promises that God has made to us. And finally, we must learn to live sacrificially. When I was in secondary school, I worked really hard and I did everything by the book. I absolutely hated the idea of getting in any trouble. So I was a fairly boring and quiet student. Um, I remember one day being called out of my my class uh, by the head teacher. And I had no idea what this was about. Um, But as I stepped outside the classroom, the first thing she said to me was, I'm afraid to say, Rosie, we all know what you've done. I was utterly shocked and confused because I knew, and so did everyone else in my class, I definitely hadn't done anything. Um, But she continued by saying, we have the CCTV footage of you graffitiing and damaging school property and we will not tolerate it at this school. It was a completely laughable accusation to anyone who even vaguely knew me, uh, but there were three girls called Rosie in my year group um, and so she'd mixed me with someone else. The problem was, Mrs Parker did not remotely know me or have any sort of relationship with me, so she got it wrong. In our passage today, we can see that when we know God closely, when we understand his character, we begin to get a more accurate and attuned ear to what he's saying to us, and we recognise him better. I wonder if you've ever been out in, in public anywhere and suddenly heard your name called, and you know exactly who it is straight away. Often this happens when we know someone really, really well, we can recognise the tone of their voice instantly. It's a wonderful thing to know someone intimately and closely, and when we do, we can understand that person better. When I first started dating Connor, we had quite a lot of communication breakdowns, mostly because of the fact that he's from Northern Ireland, and so it took my ear a little while just to get attuned to the way that he speaks. But now that we're closer and we've spent much more time together, I understand everything he says, and I understand that we both, the way that we both communicate together. <clears throat> This process is similar to the way that we can attune our ears to God, a process which this widow in our passage had very clearly been through herself. The story tells us that that God said to Elijah, I have commanded a widow. This implies that this widow had a relationship with God in which there was communication both ways. Uh, Not just a relationship, it was a really close friendship. A friendship in which she had spent time getting to know God closely so that she recognised his voice when he spoke to her. As a teenager, when I first started my relationship with God, um, I was quite formal about prayer. Um, I believe there was a certain spot um, that I had to sit in in my room. There were certain things you had to do before you prayed. um, And I would sit with my hands together and my eyes closed. And over time, I learnt about God that he didn't really care about whether I had my eyes closed in that certain spot in my room with my hands together or whether I was just walking down the high street. We can pursue closeness with God by simply being with him. So how do we do this in our lives? It seems really simple, but it's exactly that, in the exact same way that you'd get to know a friend spending time with them. 
And we can spend time with God anywhere. Perhaps um, having a routine helps you. So sitting in a quiet space in your house in the morning is where you can spend time with God or maybe when you're out and about. Um, I know of people who, when they pray, um, it helps them to talk out loud to God so, so as not to sound like a crazy person. They might pretend that they're on the phone whilst walking down the street as they pray. God is a close friend if we'll let him be. In John chapter 15, Jesus is on the verge of going to the cross and he says to his disciples, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard, my fa- for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Uh, Christian writer Dane Ortland wrote in one of his books, Here is the promise of the gospel and the message of the whole Bible. In Jesus, we are given a friend who will always enjoy rather than refuse our presence. God enjoys being with us. Isn't that just totally bizarre? The God of the universe loves it when we spend time with him. And as we spend time with him, the more we enjoy it and the more we understand the way that he speaks to us. And it can be sometimes really hard to listen to the voice of God. We doubt that it's God speaking to us. We worry that we're just making stuff up. Um, But if we begin to pursue a closer relationship with God, a friendship with him, then we will begin to realise that it gets easier to know what God is speaking to us because we know what he's like. We know what his voice sounds like. We know what pleases him and we know his character. Just like how we learn to communicate well with our friends or our loved ones as we get to know them, as we understand what makes them tick, what excites them, what makes them laugh, what makes them sad, we know how to talk to them and how to listen to them. And this widow had a relationship with God that was really, really intimate. And sometimes it's, it's pain that pushes us um, into a more intimate relationship with others and with God. Perhaps this woman had experienced a lot of pain in her life. We know that she was a widow. Perhaps she'd used those painful seasons to get to know the voice of God better. I know in my life, when I've walked through um, more painful seasons, it's always been those times when I've gotten to know God best when I felt his friendship most and I've heard him speak. This is something that we can learn from the widow. So if you're in a season of pain at the moment, God wants to heal you and bring you comfort and peace, and you can find that in his presence. God really wants to be let into the details of our lives. He cares about what's worrying us. He cares about the things that we think about. And as we involve him into this, we begin to know him more. And like this widow, we will hear his voice. Something that I was thinking about this week as I was reading the passage um, is just how much the characters in this story believed in the promises of God for their lives. This woman was starving. She was preparing to go and eat her last meal with her son and then die because they had no hope of getting any food from anywhere. That is a desperate situation. But even under that kind of pressure, she still did what God told her. I wonder if anyone here has ever been under that kind of pressure when you're in one of those situations where you just need God to come through. That's where she's at. And God loves to provide for his children. So like the widow, we must believe in the promises that God has made to us. I've recently um, started going through a book called Freedom in Christ with a couple of other people. Um, And it's a book that has the sole aim of trying to get its readers to believe the fundamental promises of the Bible. And when we first started going through the book, it gives you a list of things that are true about you as um, a son or daughter of Christ. And it's absolutely amazing. There are so many incredible promises in the Bible about our identity in Christ. 
Um, and the book also encourages you to just print out a list of all these promises and read them to yourself every day. And I think the author has written this and done this because he clearly understands the importance of knowing the promises of God and not just knowing it in your head, but allowing it to transform your heart and the way that you think. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And then in Ephesians, it says that he will do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. He promises to satisfy us, to be our protection, our provider, our peace. He promises to love us and forgive us. And he instructed Abraham in the Old Testament in the Bible to leave your country, leave your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. God sent Abraham completely blindly, like Elijah, but he sent him with a promise. He said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I'll bless you and I will make your name great and you'll be a blessing. And as Abraham travelled, God showed him new places and gave him new promises. God promised that he would be his shield and his reward. And so Abraham put his hope and trust in God. He believed him and it was credited to him as righteousness. God doesn't promise us ease or a problem-free life, but he promises to provide for us even in the hardest times. Perhaps this morning you're feeling worried about the future. There's There's a promise for that. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The promise is that he cares for you and he will continue to care for you. When I was a kid, I used to go to Sunday school and there were some pretty amazing craft activities that we used to do at Sunday school. Uh, and one, one week we made fridge magnets um, and I made one that just said, the Lord provides on it. And this fridge magnet made it onto our fridge at home, which I'll take as a compliment. It's actually still there. Um, and my mum told me that recently, um, my mum told me recently that it had really helped her over the years uh, with her faith Um, whenever my parents were struggling financially or worried about the future my mum would inevitably see the the magnet on the fridge as she was opening the fridge and it would just remind her of that truth that the Lord provides and it just made me think I wonder what would happen if we truly believed in the promises of God if we truly believed that God is our provider for everything we need if we believed that God could do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine in our lifetimes I wonder how it would change our perspectives on ourselves or on others if we truly believe that we are completely forgiven by God. I wonder what our sense of identity would be in life if we truly believe the promise that God loves us and loved us before we were born. At Christmas, we read the Christmas story in the New Testament of when Jesus was born. But before he was born and before the promise of his presence was fulfilled... An angel came to Mary and told her that she'd have a son and she had to blindly believe what this angel was saying. And the angel had said of Mary, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And what struck me about this when I was reading it this week was that this blessing that the angel is talking about, it isn't always what we think. I'm sure it wasn't what Mary um, had planned for. I'm sure it wasn't on her agenda to give birth to the Son of God. But God's provision isn't always that really happy ending that we wanted and all of our desires fulfilled. It says, blessed is she who believes his promises. The blessing is that as we find ourselves in that unexpected season, that place that God is yet to explain or may never explain, he gives us a promise like he gave to Abraham. And it's the promise of Emmanuel, of God with us in everything. 
so just like that, that fridge magnet says, which it seems really trivial and small, it's actually really essential. We must remind ourselves daily of the promises of God in order to keep believing them and keep on trusting in them. Finally, what I think we can learn from this passage, and particularly from this widow who was desperately in need, is the value of her sacrificial heart. Um, as Connor can tell you, I find sharing chocolate really, really hard, um, let alone giving up the last meal that I have to my name. This widow trusted so much in the promise of God that she obeyed, and I reckon she probably obeyed through tears. I'm trying to imagine what she must have been feeling like as she plodded home to go and make Elijah some food out of her last ingredients. Naturally, as humans, we're not selfless, we're not sacrificial. And as a culture, we're becoming more and more individualistic. How can I look out for me? How can I live my best life? How can I become the best? But in this this story, it's clear that the sacrifice made by this widow is what releases the floodgates of God's provision in the situation. It's when she humbly, and perhaps even with very little faith, says yes to what God has asked of her, she sees the blessing. When I was a teenager, um, I was in a relationship that was damaging to me and to my relationship with God. But it had kind of become a crux, something that I completely depended on, and it felt like a security blanket. And every so often I'd feel this nudge from God that he wanted me to leave this relationship behind, but I really struggled to do it and toyed with the idea for a couple of years. Fundamentally, my reason for not obeying God straight away was I was just scared. I didn't fully trust the promise of God that he would look after me, and so I held on. Eventually, when I ended the relationship, um, pretty much instantaneously, my relationship with God completely changed. He showed me in that season that he was worthy of all my trust and all my obedience to him. God does not call us to sacrifice because he wants to hurt us or teach us a lesson, necessarily. He calls us to humbly obey him because he knows that's the way we will experience his blessing. We can obey God and we can learn to sacrifice, just like this widow did, safely in the knowledge that God is our provider. He will not let us down. And most importantly, because he made the ultimate sacrifice himself. Like I mentioned at the beginning, I blindly believed that Santa existed and was real, despite the fact that I had no proof. We can have faith in God, in a risen Jesus, not based on ludicrous assumptions or wishful thinking or simply wanting it to be real because it sounds nice. We have faith in God based on the truth of the Bible. And we can trust in someone who gave his life for us, who was our ultimate provision, who sacrificed everything for us. In the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night before he was crucified, Jesus prayed these words, My Father, if it is possible... May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus was at the point of despair. He was sweating droplets of blood. He quite literally had the weight of the world on his shoulders. And in that moment, he cried out to his father. He put his trust in his father's plan. He said, not what I want, but what you want. And as a result of his obedience, obedience to death, we're now able to have a relationship with him. Perhaps this morning you feel like you're in your own Garden of Gethsemane at the moment. You're not about to be crucified, but you have pain in your life. You have disappointment in your life and you have need. Sometimes the sacrifice that God calls us to in these moments is simply a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of even though these circumstances and situations going on around me are very real, I'm still going to look up and recognise that you are God. 
our God is provider and we can trust him for this.